0: Well, hello, everyone. Welcome. And uh, in eternal reverence, joy, and gratitude, we'd like to give respect and uh, really like be so grateful for this incoming year, because you no know, matter how difficult situations have been in the last three years, for most of us, for all of us globally, we continue. We continue, we persist because we've got lots of work to do. And we are really uh, honored to have Curtis cost with us for the second time around. And, uh, you know, if I wasn't considerate for his time, I would have him all the time. But, you know, <laughs> he needs to be shared with to, with, uh, with other people and other platforms. Because he's he's been around in, in terms of knowing how dangerous and how ineffective vaccines, vaccinations, immunizations, the way they explain how we could be immunized has, you know, is to us. So it's been really crazy. So Curtis is a, um, has bachelor's of science, a bachelor's of arts in, from Vassar College, and also an MBA from Northwestern Kellogg's School of Management. But he's, Exposure and his education, his commitment went beyond all of this academic training because he's really emerged with people and how we each of us respond to our community and so most of you who see yourself is speaking up, speaking out loud making sure that people know about the truth. We always go beyond our academic education. And Dr. Jane Marquis is with us, and he's a naturopath. He has his own podcast. And also uh, Roy is with us, Roy Colon. And he's in business, and he goes beyond our our common background. And I'm a holistic registered nurse and all of us created this pod, podcast in all different platforms and then came together. So for all of you there, please help us continue to share this information, share our podcast. And for Curtis Cost, he has a book which when it's highly priced, it maybe it's because it's censored as well or the do people don't you know the those who want to control us don't want us to have his book. His book is titled Vaccines Are Are Dangerous and it's a warning to the global community. And later on as he shared with us, he will mention other books as well that he will recommend. And he also has his blogs. And definitely, as everyone else who speaks the truth and who has a gift in writing and expressing themselves in written words, he has a substack. So just look for him at Curtis Cost substack, okay? And if with some um, help, maybe I can, you know put this more in the StreamYard because we always like to use the StreamYard so it could reach other platforms, but definitely you'll find this in um Shoot, in Rumble, in uh, Brighton, and not just in my platform, but Roy Collins, Jane Markey, and I'm sure Curtis Cost will find a way to share it. So Curtis, I just want you to lead us in this conversation because there is a montage of information, evidences, who, what they have been doing, not just in the past three years, but decades and decades of misinformation. But it's so interesting. I want to take uh, hear your thoughts, and how do you read why this seems to be happening all the time, like from the swine flu, epidemic that was created and now we're in this again so and now you see that there's a conversation in the world economic forum that they're kind of planning again for the next one so Curtis thank you again for being here and go ahead lead us to what you think you want to share most to everyone
1: Sure. Thank you. I'll be more than happy to. And it's a pleasure to be back on your show again. I had a great time last time. Um, Just to clarify, yeah, for those who may not be familiar with me, this is my book here. Uh, That Grace mentioned Vaccines Are Dangerous and Warning to the Global Community. First edition of my book came out in 1991. So I've been at this warning people about vaccines for over 30 years. And um, my Substack, that's uh, another platform that I'm using to get information out where I put a lot of my updated information. is my first and last name, curtiscost.substack.com, curtiscost.substack.com. Um, the focus today that uh, I would like to uh, concentrate on is uh, a presentation that I gave uh, at the Wise Traditions Conference back in October, and my focus was on um, vaccines and the cycles of fear, and by that I mean I trace in my presentation several cases of what we were told were outbreaks of disease based on a germ or a virus, and uh, I looked at the uh, Spanish flu from the early 1900s, I looked at the swine flu from the 70s, I looked at H1N1 from the mid-2000, well, 2009, 2010. I also look at COVID. There are many others I wanted to cover, but my presentation was an hour and a half. And in each case, I show that there was no virus involved. Uh, Going back to the Spanish flu, if you look at the material even today, where they talk about what caused it, they say it was a virus. Uh, I show my presentation. That's completely, absolutely false. There was no virus. And why do I say that? Because there was a major study that was done by uh, a Dr. Milton and was published in, the, in JAMA, Journal of the American Medical Association, in which they took 100 um, soldiers uh, who were perfectly healthy and they took people who uh, supposedly had Spanish flu. And they did everything humanly possible to make the soldiers sick from these individuals. I mean, they took saliva from sick people and gave it to these soldiers. They didn't get sick. They took uh, mucus, blood. Still, these the soldiers did not get sick. They even took uh, body fluids from corpses of those who died from Spanish flu and, and exposed that to the soldiers. They still didn't get sick. In the last ditch effort, they had the, uh, uh, the sick individuals literally cough and sneeze right into the faces of these soldiers. I don't know how they got these soldiers to agree to do that, but um, and they were supposed to breathe in at the same time that they were being sneezed on and coughed in the face. They still did not uh, get sick, and he had to conclude in his in uh, in, in his uh, presentation and um, uh, JAMA that uh, we. Thought we knew what this was, uh, but as it turns out, we really don't know. And uh, that proved, that there was another study, uh, did the same thing prior to his, same conclusion. It was not contagious. Um, Dr. Eleanor McBean, um, both uh, she, was a much younger, she was a child, but I said, both of her parents were doctors. And one thing she points out in her book, The Poisoned Needle, was that her parents were House to house, trying to help people who were sick with uh, Spanish flu, and neither of the neither the parents or their kids ever got Spanish flu. In fact, she she pointed out that no one who was not vaccinated got sick with Spanish flu. And the real cause of that outbreak had nothing to do with a, a mysterious new virus. It was because they were giving. Uh, soldiers this experimental meningitis uh, vaccine. In fact, military base, where they first started giving this meningitis vaccine, that's when the first cases of Spanish flu, supposed Spanish flu, started. And um, as they continued to give that to other uh, soldiers throughout the country, they became sick. And um, on top of that, they started giving them uh, uh, all the other vaccines that they had stockpiles of. And then they start encouraging the public to start taking all of these experimental uh, vaccines. And that's when the public in general started getting sick. And so the situation nothing to do with Spain. Spain wasn't even involved in World War I. It was a joke. Um, they tried to pass it off as something that came from somewhere else. No, it was a vaccine was the root cause, and people started getting sick from the vaccine. And you'll see the same pattern with many other diseases you'll find that there's no virus involved and that the real cause is uh, the vaccine. Uh, I'll pause here because I can keep going, but if you want to have questions and stuff before I continue. but
0: Yeah, I was just really... Oh, well, while you were talking, I'm thinking, okay, I've been around people who got sick, you know, really, during that time, so who turn it to be positive for whatever they mean by positive, okay? Right. And yet... I didn't get sick. And I'm sure Roy and Jane will have similar, you know, stories. And so it, it, it's, it's, it's uh, something that people have to really question. Like what makes others be prone to be sick and then others do not get sick? And is it really worthwhile to just listen to what, to one view? and then go go off and then really create that that, that pandemic and so like i guess we always ask well, how can the government do that because there's already all the connections okay from the FD, from the fbi to the cia to all the three letter or three letters organization so it's like people always like what what is the ultimate goal that we see and what what can we do about it it's like it's very tiring already
1: uh well we, we might be jumping in if i start getting into those type of issues but, but i think that the most important thing to realize is they have a script and this script had been used for decades going all the way back to early 19 in fact even go back further to, to smallpox but that was going will be t- taking too much time i didn't want to do it but they have been lying to the public that's the main point that i want to get across the people that we're supposed to trust have been lying to us, and they've been doing it for decades, and they've been making billions of dollars off of bogus uh, vaccines and bogus treatments. And I want to see an end to that. I mean, and the only way to do that is by making people understand the historical context, because most people think uh, what's happening with uh, COVID is brand new. It's not. And in my presentation, I show slides. They had people wearing face masks back in the 1900s, as if the face mask was going to stop a deadly virus, which is ludicrous. And there was no virus. They couldn't spread it. They, uh, they were shutting down schools and uh, theaters, all the same lockdown stuff we're seeing right now. They did the whole thing before with the Spanish flu. So they are operating on a script. And uh, it's important for us to recognize the script so we're not consistently fooled again. And, you know, people die. I mean, there's so many people, they put um, doctors and hospitals on such a high pedestal. Doctors, they view as priests and ministers and rabbis. And hospitals are viewed as synagogues and churches and temples. That's, and nobody wants to question their rabbi, their pastor. and Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to question their church. church. All that's been ingrained in us from childhood unfortunately that blind faith is misguided these are profit oriented business establishments and unfortunately profit too often is placed above the actual needs of the public i mean the public has been lied to and they know how to get the right authority figures i mean you, the newscasters they get on tv and they promote the you know there's a new virus out there it's killing everybody go get vaccinated and, you know you watch those newscasters every night and you, you you come to trust them. Why would Walter Cronk? I'm not going to say seeing names, I'm like, why would anybody that you see on a regular basis, who you trust to give you the news, lie to you? That's it's hard for people to to grasp that. And what I found over the over the years is that getting people to understand what has been going on is not just an intellectual hurdle. Uh, you know, it's not just about facts and figures. It's an emotional hurdle, and that's the hardest. I mean, it's like telling somebody not to trust their minister or their priest or whatever. I mean, that's a big hurdle. But people must uh, step up and challenge themselves and challenge what, what they think they know. Because if you don't, you will suffer. You will die. Right now, lots of people are dying unnecessarily because they wouldn't. With blind faith and took these COVID shots. And these COVID shots have already killed more people than all the other vaccines combined over the past 30 years. And so it's a pattern they've been following. We need to understand uh, that pattern. And in fact, continuing on, it's not just Spanish uh, flu. We look at the uh, swine flu from the 1970s. They threw the whole country into a panic because uh, five soldiers supposedly had swine flu. And um, the reality is all of the soldiers lived and fully recovered from their symptoms, except for one. And that one person, he was forced to go on, on a march, even though he was sick, he had fever and everything else. And he died shortly after going on that march. They used that to spread panic all across the country. One person dies. And um, they managed to get millions, I think 20, 30 million people, or more to go and get that uh, stupid swine flu vaccine. And they did. Then people started becoming paralyzed and all kinds of health problems, not because there was some new uh, virus or anything out there. because of the vaccine. And in my presentation, I show a segment from 60 Minutes, in which they go into that in great detail. In fact, they got the head, uh, the former head of the CDC, to admit that there were no other cases of swine flu anywhere in the country or in the world. He admitted that on camera. So why did you scare the public into running out and getting this stupid vaccine? So it's a pattern that they've done. Same thing with H1N1. Um, same thing. I mean, if you look at the symptoms of H1N1, which I did, and it's documented in my book, uh, they're identical to uh, the common flu. I mean, there was no difference. So basic flu symptoms, they scared the public. You know, they had paid off doctors and scientists, scare the public. They had uh, politicians making all kinds of elaborate statements on why people need to get the H-181 vaccine. On the news media, all all of these institutions and individuals who we trusted lied to us. And they got the president, Obama at the time, to dish out all kinds of money to the drug companies for a bogus vaccine, a vaccine that was filled with cancer cells from from animals, uh, mercury, squalene, toxic substances. And people believe them, and they suffered and died. Um, So my main point is that we have to stop being naive. We cannot trust them. We must do our own research. If they say there's a new virus, okay, your question. Prove it. Who managed to isolate it? Where's the purified sample of this new virus? Who then went to follow cultures, postulates, and then proved that whatever you think you found actually causes anything? There are established steps that need to be followed. They're just skipping those steps and say there's a new virus, and people are believing them. And this is insa- This is the insanity that has to stop. Myself and others who've been doing this research for many years, we knew this COVID hoax from the very beginning. I mean, who isolated COVID? I mean, Christine Massey, she reached out to, I think, close to 200 different medical institutions, I mean, universities, hospitals, around the world, and asked them for, she asked them for a sample of, of the actual COVID-19 virus. Nobody could produce it. And she also asked them, well, do you know which institution does have a sample? They couldn't even tell them where. So everybody is in a panic and in fear over a virus that's not been proven to exist. Only thing they do do is talk about some computer-generated images, which is that's, that's bogus. That's not reliable. That's not the virus. If there is the COVID virus out there, well, then they should be able to take bodily fluids from somebody and look at it under a microscope. Well, there it is. And we can prove that this causes X, Y, Z, because we follow all these established procedures. They can't do that. And so many of us who have been doing this research here for years. It's, it's, if it wasn't so sad, it would be laughable. I'm like, how in the hell would you take a vaccine for a virus that nobody's proven to exist? I, I mean, from companies that are serial felons. I mean, Mr. Kennedy pointed out some of these big pharmaceutical companies. They're serial felons. They've been fined billions of dollars. Why would you trust them? I mean, like you're trusting a, a bank robber in your home. I mean, why would you do that? Why? And this is worse because you're trusting them to put stuff in your God-given sacred body. Why would you do that? And then you believe them about, oh, you got to wear a face mask. Like, what the box right here says, the box that the face mask comes will not protect against COVID. will not protect against viruses. I mean, are people brain dead? I mean, you have to be stupid to use something that the manufacturer says doesn't work. That's like somebody, uh, an astronaut, wearing a space suit with the manufacturers will not work in outer space. I-, I mean, that's what we're faced with. I'm sorry, I'm a little emotional, but this is, uh, its it has to stop. We have to find ways to wake people up and start asking questions. There's no more blind trust because somebody has an MD after their name. No more blind trust because some alphabet organization that that's been bought off and controlled by the by the, the drug companies. I mean, no more blind faith in CDC, no more blind faith in NIH, no more blind faith in FDA. Anything they say, you gotta prove it. And go through all they have and go through all the scientific steps uh, to prove it, then have to find your your worst critics, your strongest critics against those institutions to scrutinize whatever they put out. That's what we have to do. No more blind faith. People die. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance will get you killed.
0: So so true, it's so true. And and, and still, um, I attended a one senior meeting. You know, I just wanted to see, and they have like a uh, an entertainment, and maybe there were forty people there, and. Three, including me, was, was, weren't wearing masks. And then one lady behind me was making a sign to me that it's mandatory, it's required. So I just looked at her and just, I kind of just shrugged my shoulder and I smiled. I didn't want to have a conversation with her in terms of like, no, you, you know, it's optional. It's not going to help you. I didn't want to say that anymore because it was like an entertainment day for for them. Right. But it's, that's how crazy it is. And um, and and then in w- walking in New York, I, it's really sad be- because there were so many businesses that I used to like, and now many mm. of them really died down because of yes. what that what this co- COVID did to our economy. So I thank you for your effort, and by the way, your presentation that was what I think was going to be one of my favorite, and you know what I like it because it's. you you, your references were like um, very clear and that people can go look at it look it's still out there online so it's not like you're making it up so thank you and i'll pass it on to roy
1: thank you i appreciate it Mm -hmm. thanks res hi
2: curtis Mm -hmm. so i think we definitely we have to include the link of the the video that you've done uh, Mm because it's fascinating because I suppose I'll just kind of touch on what we've we've just discussed already on the Spanish flu, because there was so, so much kind of confusion about that. I, I was hearing 20 million died. I heard 50 million died. I heard 100 million died. But yet you can see the photographs where people were actually wearing the masks. Yet you can see the big hats at the back just standing there normal. So you can see the same kind of corruption was going on mm-hmm. over 100 years ago. Yes.
1: Yes. Uh, it, it's stunning. It's shocking. And, uh, you know, I've been at it 30 years trying to warn people. And, you know, some people listen some don't. But again, it's a, it's a huge emotional hurdle for most people. And it's, it's a challenge to try and get them out of that, this blind faith in, in, in authority. Um, those days are over. We have to start thinking for ourselves. And yes, the swine flu thing, um, the Spanish flu, all of those were hoaxes. I mean, and there were many others. I mean, I can go into it maybe later sometime, but you know, HIV, that's a host. There was
2: a, a, a I believe uh, Gates's grandfather was involved some with the, uh, uh,
1: with the, um, uh, the experimental vaccine, um, the, the meningitis vaccine. Yeah, I provided the reference in my presentation. Oh, just so anybody wants to see my presentation, you can view it for free uh, on my sub stack, curtiscost.substack.com. CurtisCost, dot Substack.com, and you can watch it. You can subscribe for free. Uh, if you want to help me out and continue to help me promote these type of uh, this type of information, you can even subscribe. It's only uh, seven dollars a month. You can be a paid subscriber, one of uh, my supporters. I would buy their book or subscribe to their channel or whatever. So if you think it's worthwhile. Subscribes is only seven bucks a month and if not you can watch it for free but i'm going to be adding one more content just for uh, the paid subscribers but for right now i'll just let anybody watch the material i put up there
2: and with the because the 1976 commercials because there was a there was a lot (laughs) on that but but basically like there was one part There was like a famous person i don't know where they act an actress or whatever but they were basically claiming that she had got vaccinated and when she was interviewed, right. she wasn't. And I mean, there was a lot of that going on as well oh, yeah. in, the, in the last few years. Those
1: commercials that I uh, showed in my presentation, they were very effective. I mean, I, I I couldn't help thinking that if I didn't know what I what I know, I would have fallen for. Those commercials, they were very emotionally impactful. You know, they implied that if you just touch somebody's hand, they can, you can get the flu from them. It was effective emotionally. Most people make decisions based on emotions. When somebody goes to buy a car, um, it's more of an emotional decision. I mean, they like the color, the design, or they think they're gonna get a pretty girlfriend if they have a nice expensive sports car. You know, most decisions are emotional. And these people know that. I mean, I went to the number one marketing school in the country, color School of Management. So I know some of the techniques that they use to appeal to people's emotions. I mean, a lot of these guys, they know more about you than you know about yourself. I mean, they do all kinds of surveys. They do focus groups and everything. All kind of, They have psychiatrists, psychologists to look at the target market and how their target market thinks and know exactly what to say, what to do that will most likely make you um, inclined to accept what they're saying. So those scary commercials were, were not accidental. Those were put together by very clever people, and they knew what they are doing. And that's why so many people went and got those stupid uh uh, swine flu uh, uh, vaccine because the commercials were very compelling. So we got to get out and, of And that. just on that,
2: because w- when you're talking about the marketing, because if you look at the stuff that was put on Netflix, because a, a lot of, uh, most countries actually have Netflix, it, there was a load of um, movies or series in 10 years previous right. that were actually talking about that or I, which was basically conditioning and then the subliminal on programs yeah. as well. But basically, without them even realizing it, they were putting fear into
1: people. Well, well, they knew what well, they, they were preparing us. They were preparing us for outbreak. There must be a hundred different uh, virus outbreak movies that have come out. I mean, to get you thinking that viruses are real. And uh, for the record, everybody know, uh, viruses do not exist. They're all, it's all bullshit. I'm sorry. It's bullshit. That's all. I don't know the way to say it. Maybe that wakes people up. Viruses are not alive, okay? And that's not controversial. That's not me saying, go and do a Google search and type, are viruses alive? They say, no, they're not alive. Look at the criteria for life. Uh, one of the criteria for life is everything that's alive must consume something, like a tree consumes sunlight and water. Viruses don't consume anything. That's not controversial. Do a Google search. Viruses, so one of the criteria of life is must consume, viruses don't do that. Another criteria of life is, All living things must produce a waste product. So for trees, for example, their waste product is oxygen. Viruses do not produce the waste product. They don't go to the bathroom to do a number one or number two. There is no waste product from viruses. Uh, Viruses do not have a central nervous system. They have no mechanism for motion. All living things must be able to move. You know, trees move. They move slowly, but they move. Viruses do not fulfill the criteria of life. And I know sometimes they'll show you images you're talking about viruses. They show things swimming around or flying. That's bullshit. Viruses don't swim. They don't fly. They don't crawl. They're nothing more than dead celly material. And they're calling that viruses. And now, for I've been saying this for years. In fact, the first person to point this out to me was a black female uh, professor. I think she, her degree was in chemistry or something. And she told me, point blank, uh, excuse my language, she said, Curtis's this virus thing is all bullshit. You, you cannot grow the stuff in the laboratory. That's what she told me. But she wouldn't go public with it because she didn't want to lose her tenure or anything. And over time, I would go to meetings. Usually small group meetings, you have doctors and scientists who are say the same thing, small groups. Now we actually have doctors and scientists who are coming out publicly and saying it. Uh, Dr. Andrew Kaufman, uh, Dr. Tom Cowan, um, Dr. Sam uh, Bailey and her, and her husband. Uh, and others are now stepping forward and publicly say the same thing. Viruses do not exist. In fact, uh, an experiment was done um, with Dr. Uh, I can't remember his name right now. Um, but they they proved that they went through all the steps for trying to uh, grow a virus that they're using now. And uh, only thing they didn't do was they did not uh, apply any bodily fluids from a person. So they got a petri dish and they put the poisons in there, they put chicken uh, uh, blood and other things in there, and then they poisoned it, as I said, and, uh, with antibiotics, and they let it sit and starve it, and then the leftover debris, they're calling that the virus or proof that the virus exists. No, that's the cellular, dead cellular material from the uh, chicken and other things that you put in there, and then poison. That's what they're calling viruses. It's ludicrous. Now, I know there's a whole issue about Biological warfare and then a laboratory. I mean, uh, they can make anything in a laboratory. But viruses? Well, then, Christian maybe uh, Macy should be at a final institution that has this virus if they did create it in a laboratory. And I went through all that anyway many years ago. Um, and I, the first chapter of my book deals with it when I was doing my research on HIV and AIDS. Um, my introduction to that was the idea that it was made in the laboratory. That was a big thing. There was a, a video called the Sturck Memorandum uh, that talked about it, a book called AIDS and Civilization by William Cameron Douglas, another book called AIDS and the Doctors of Death by Alan Catwell, and others, the little books, all saying that um, HIV was biological warfare weapon made in Fort Detrick. Uh, in Maryland, and you know, I was up in arms uh, over there. So there were a lot of other people that would read this material. And um, I, I then uh, came across uh, individual, I, actually I published a book. One of my first books was um, AIDS, um, uh, I forget AIDS, uh, What is Safe Sex in the Age of AIDS? That's like my first book. And it covered a lot of the biological warfare stuff that they were talking about. Then I had people uh, approaching me, telling me that I was all wrong, that there was no virus. I said, are you crazy? you know, you talking this is curtis cost i know i do my research i get my references uh eventually i decide to sit down and read the i mean stacks of medical journal articles plus books these people were giving me and i like my god they were right they were absolutely right i mean it took a long time for me to come to that in fact i I, my evolution was some stages. Uh, eventually, I was so sharp at what I was reading that I just stopped talking about HIV and AIDS and everything else. And And my book, which was doing very well, uh, I stopped promoting it. I stopped putting it out there. I stopped, I refused to publish it. And I had bookstores, distributors pleading for me to send them all copies of my book, but I couldn't because I was wrong. I'm sorry, I was wrong. And um, then... Uh, As I did more research and things over a period of years, eventually, in my uh, uh, second edition, which came out in 2010, I uh, devoted the first chapter to my uh, new understanding uh, about HIV being a hoax. In fact, I even have a quote from Dr. Uh, Luke Montier, the uh, scientist from the Pasteur Institute, which he was interviewed. And he admitted in this interview that his team never succeeded in obtaining a purified sample of HIV. Now, here's a guy who's credited with discovering HIV, admitting publicly in an interview that he never succeeded in doing that. Uh, and So this whole thing of biological warfare, OK, maybe I haven't done the in-depth research, but I've seen this before. Uh, so the HIV was not meant in the laboratory to say they'll kill you if you take uh, any vaccines for it uh, things. I mean, I know they were experimenting with HIV vaccines, I don't know if they actually came out with it, but the drugs that they were giving people, the AZT, the DDI, proteins and everything, that will kill you, that stuff is poisonous. And I even had a, uh, I did a forum on HIV and AIDS, and I had one of the whistleblowers against the AZT trials. AZT was originally designed as a chemotherapy treatment, but it was deemed too dangerous to get chemotherapy treatment. And uh, that's really bad because most people don't die of the cancer they die of the chemotherapy treatment. But this couldn't even qualify as a chemotherapy treatment. So they did these trials to see if it could be used as an HIV drug. And one of the people uh, who was part of the trials, who was part of the researchers, was one by the name of Lynn Gannett. And she exposed that they were lying about the results, that it was not working, it was killing people. So the drugs, when people... Trust their doctor. They take the stupid HIV tests, which are worthless, and they're told they're positive even when they're perfectly healthy. They start taking AZT. Yes, it would their, their system, the immune system, will break down, and they do start to die. So people would die. In this case, not from the uh, uh, HIV vaccine, but they die from the from the drugs that they were being given. And so. I'm sorry, I may have put on a tangent? But
2: my point no, is no, that. but it's all relevant because it's kind of showing the corruption that goes on. Because some people still, unfortunately, believe you know they trust the pharmaceutical companies and they trust their government. So, with with what you're kind of researching, because with the the latest three companies, you know, Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson Johnson, what like what have you uh, discovered that's actually inside them? and how toxic are each things to the human?
1: Well, I mean, because these things are under EUA uh, authorization, I mean, they don't have to release what's in them. In fact, online, you'll see lots of cases where people go to the pharmacy and ask for the package insert for like uh, uh, Pfizer, and the package insert is blank. And it says deliberately left blank. I mean, it's scary stuff. Um, what we do know from the release of uh, documents um, to the FDA, which a judge said they had to release to the public, um, is that there's something like 1,300 adverse reactions to the Pfizer vaccine. 1,300. Uh, I never heard of a, of a drug that had that many adverse reactions. I mean, I thought 20, 30, 50 uh, ever, it was bad enough. But 1,300? No wonder they didn't want this released for 75 years. And talks about the uh, the injuries and deaths of people who participated in those uh, uh, trials. Uh, it's scary stuff. And Of course, you know, there are people who've, um, some doctors, scientists, who've uh, been able to get some of these vials and uh, looked under my
2: Just to let you know, we've had some technical issues. It's not the first time today we've actually tried to do it live on StreamYard, but
1: uh, we're doing a different system now. So I just let uh, Curtis continue. Sure. Sure. Um, The where I left off was uh, there was a question about ingredients, and I pointed out that because uh, uh, these uh, COVID shots are under EUA authorization, they don't have to reveal what's inside them. So the the glimpses that we have about what might be inside them, what seems to be inside them, comes from uh, the doctors, scientists who said they've been able to get vials uh, of uh, these COVID shots and look at them under a microscope. And what they're seeing uh, is terrifying, absolutely terrifying. Um, for example, there are these hydra creatures, yes, multi-limbed living organisms inside uh, these COVID shots. What on earth are those things doing inside there? Uh, it, it's just absolutely terrifying. I don't. The implications are, are, are horrific. Uh, they identify graphene, um, graphene oxide. Uh, uh, inside them. Uh, and graphene is a metal. And metals should not be injected into the human body. That's bad on every single level you can think of. And there's this, uh, sorry, I believe it was Russian who uh, specialized, uh, got his PhD in graphene uh, hydroxide. And um, he's saying he's found uh, graphene hydroxide in these COVID shots. And he says the the problem is most doctors know nothing about graphene hydroxide, and uh, they, they don't know how to detect it. So a lot of times people take the COVID shots and they're not feeling good, and they go to the hospital so and say, "We can't find anything wrong with you. It's in your mind, isn't it?" When in fact, he said there is a test. I think it's D-dimer. Don't hold me to that. But um, the thing is, because these things once they get into the body, they're like microscopic razors, and um, The more active a person is, the more these microscopic razors are doing damage to the organs. And uh, he implied that that could uh, explain some of these sudden deaths. You see these athletes, they're on the field, they're perfectly fine. All of a sudden, they just collapse. Well, if they're doing all this running around, circling all this blood, circling these micro pieces of metal, razor blades in the body, yes, then they'd be cutting up blood vessels and arteries and things. And they could certainly class. Well, what's um, probably extremely noteworthy about this individual, you can look him up online, um, or I can send it to you, uh, is that he died uh, shortly after releasing his video about this. I don't know, a week, two weeks later, and the, the stories are conflicting, but apparently he was beaten to death, uh, according to some of the accounts. So what he was saying, uh, uh, it needs to be looked at very carefully. So a lot of bad stuff, basically, is in the vaccines, and this is only a tip of the iceberg. And in fact, um, the many who say, and I'm inclined to agree, that this whole COVID thing was planned many, many decades in advance. Why would I say that? Well, go look up the uh, this opening ceremony for the 1992 uh, Olympics in Barcelona. Just look it up, and you've got to see the symbols that we see now, the spike proteins, um, the Hydra creatures, all all these and other symbols that we all are familiar with right now was in the Olympics uh, opening ceremony in Barcelona, 1992. Go look it up. And um, so the implication is that this stuff has been planned for a very long time. And there was another Olympics that was done uh, in England, I don't remember the exact year, in which they showed uh, a lot of other symbols that we became familiar with in this whole COVID thing. I mean, doctors and nurses dancing in the hallways. It's right there in the opening ceremonies of this Olympics that was held in, uh, I believe it was England, and many other things. So, for those who research um, the ultra elite, I guess we might call them, well, it seemed like part of their code that they have to tell us what they're going to do to us before they do it. And uh, we saw that with 9-11. There was all kinds of references to 9-11 in movies, cartoons, and all kinds of things long before it happened. But nobody picked up on it because why would you? Who could imagine that had some implication for what happened? Uh, So apparently they have uh, a code where they have to tell us what they're going to do before they do it. Maybe they feel that absolves them from their actions. I don't know. But the reality is the Barcelona Olympics is real. Uh, anybody can watch it. In fact, since I've announced this, uh, you might want to go if you, you find it and save it to your computer before it's deleted. But it's it's right there for all to see. So the bottom line is that the stuff of the vaccines is bad. Uh, all we're going to do is look at the statistics from theirs. I mean, I don't know the latest numbers, but it's, it's skyrocketing. And um, it's in the hundreds of thousands and millions, depending on what numbers you look at in terms of deaths versus injuries and things. And um, overall, the uh the death count from the uh, uh, COVID shots is um, like higher than all the other vaccines, all the death counts of all the other vaccines over the past 30 years. And I, in my presentation, I include uh, some of those charts. This is the most dangerous vaccine ever. And I warned about that before the vaccine ever came on the market. I was warning this is going to be. Uh, something that's going to have the potential for killing large numbers of people. In fact, I did a show with uh, Dr. Andrew. Uh, no, not Andrew. Um, I can't remember it's not right, right now. But one uh, scientist, and um, I said that I felt that this could uh, potentially kill billions of people. a said, no, not billions, maybe uh, millions. Of, uh, Dave Rasnick, that was Dr. Dave Rasnick uh, PhD. And uh, not maybe not billions, but maybe hundreds of millions short while later, a few weeks later, he came back to the you know, I think you're right. Unless we can do something, this thing can wipe out billions of people, potentially. So, the stuff of the vaccine is very bad. We have a wide range of adverse reactions. You get the heart conditions, people having uh, rashes all over their bodies, uh, uh, women having uh, uh, really uh, abnormal uh, menstrual cycles, uh, the The stillbirths and things are skyrocketing. They've even gone so far as taking the deadliest vaccine ever and giving it to pregnant women. I did a show with Dr. James Thorpe and uh, Cheryl Gershwin, who's a nurse, and they went to great details on the horrors they're seeing being done to pregnant women. And it's something that boggles my mind. I mean, there's a certain level of evil that's hard to comprehend. Who in their right mind would want to give the deadliest, dangerous vaccine ever to pregnant women. I mean, you know, you normally think pregnant women are supposed to be protected. You, you know, that's our duty as men and as a society. It takes a, a level of evil that's hard to comprehend that one want to take a toxic mixture like this and give it to a pregnant woman, harming the pregnant woman and the, uh, the baby. That interview I did is also on my Substack, CurtisCross.Substack.com, which you can all watch for free. And if you want to be a paid subscriber to support my efforts, great. It's only seven bucks a month, but it's there, Dr. Thorpe. Uh, so in a nutshell, the stuff in those COVID shots are bad. And we only have a small idea of just how bad. In fact, one doctor, very prominent doctor, I won't give his name, uh, but we had a private conversation. And I was asking him about just how dangerous is the vaccine? What's the far-reaching implications? And he said, point blank, Curtis, um, We will not be able to assess the full range of damage in our lifetime. That sent a, a sense of chill down my spine. He said, "We're not going to be able to figure it out in our lifetime." So tell you how bad that is. We're not even talking about yet about transmission uh, that is passing. Uh, people get the uh, making other people around them sick, especially in the short term after being vaccinated. So this stuff is bad all around. I mean, I have I know a woman who's a lactation uh, specialist that has helped women produce milk, she said they, the women cannot produce the milk anymore. The ones that take the COVID shot, they're not producing milk. I know another woman who's a specialist to helping women get pregnant. She told me that her success rate prior to COVID was 60%. Now her success rate, since people, women are taking these COVID shots, is down to 20% success rate helping women get pregnant. This is an attack on reproduction. Men are having all kinds of performance problems uh since i uh, have getting these shots and so it's bad stuff all around it's a it's a witch's brew it's worse than rat poison at least we know what rat poison is we can try and deal with it we don't know all the stuff that's in this and the implications are horrible yeah.
2: well,
1: excellent and uh, just regarding
2: why they tell us apparently it's they believe in karma and that's why they tell you and then it's on you so even on the NAH, if you actually find the right Areas it tells you the whole thing was a farce and they manipulated the media and everything and everything they're doing. So it's out there, but people don't believe it because it's in clear sight. But listen, Curtis, thank you very much. And uh, I'll pass you over to Jane. Thank you.
3: Hi, Curtis.
1: Hi, Jane.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I I would just piggyback and say that they, um, they now know that the spike protein moves throughout the body and really attaches to organs and, you know, causes harm that way. But, you know, when this first broke out, I had, I had a uh a background in understanding how natural medicine was attempted to be removed from the planet
0: <laughs> in the right. the
3: century. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that the pharmaceutical companies had a plan to take control of all medicine and that it can't be natural because then they can't patent it. They right. can't make money. So, you know, you follow, because of that, I've always followed the pandemics, like you say, and know enough about them to know that the vaccines actually were what caused the most harm. Mm -hmm. And um, I would encourage anyone to listen to your presentation because, you know, we wake up in different ways, but to see the propaganda exactly like it is today is quite shocking. You know, um, Mm -hmm. I've, I woke up in different ways, but to actually See the same words, you know, using the same tactics. It it was, it was, yeah. I've thought about it a lot since I saw it. So well good. done, good, yeah, thank you. Well done, yeah. And I knew, you know, when this all when this broke out, I heard, um, you know, like you, you suspect. Is this just another fear tactic? Because people are controlled and we've been so um, programmed to be afraid of disease. Mm -hmm. And like you say, to give away our power to um, MDs, doctors, uh, government and just blind faith. And I said to myself, this is a pandemic of blind faith and then knew that most likely there would be something to follow that that would be the cure right
1: yeah
3: and but immediately went and found out like uh another great source of information is dr tenpenny mm-hmm. and she did a, she could find all the research on rna vaccines because it's all there the 20 mechanism mechanisms of harm that grew into the 40 mechanisms of harm and uh, I, I did both of her seminars. Mm. Uh, absolutely. No blind faith here. And um, I was like, no, this is emergency. And, and if there's even one of those mechanisms of <laughs> harm, it's really frightening. So, yeah, just, mm. I would just say, I mean, that's why I started my podcast too, because I believe that we're in a pandemic of giving away our power. And that we need to take that power back and do our own research and do our own thinking. And that's the most important message of all. And it doesn't matter what disease it is, you know, mm-hmm. it's like take your power back, people.
1: Yeah. People I think it's important for people to have confidence in the ability to do some basic research. You don't need a PhD to understand a lot of this this information. In fact, people are in a more fortunate situation right now than I was in 30 years ago because I had to do research the old-fashioned way. Go to the library, go through all those stacks and go through all those Mm -hmm. medical journals and have my medical dictionary right next to me. You don't have to do that anymore. I mean, all you got to do is, like, in my case, for example, go to curtiscost.substack.com. There's a lot of information. I deliberately try to make things easy for people to follow. Because you said, you know, it was pretty easy, right, my presentation uh, to, to follow, right? It, it, that's not by accident. I'm pretty good at writing and communicating, and so that's the way learning should be. That they, they, what they, the medical establishment often does is they want to throw all kinds of technical Latin terms and really scare you, and you're like, I'm too dumb to, to look. No, no, no. We have children's self-defense website. You have got Dell Big Trees. Uh, the high wire website, all these websites, one among the things that they do is not only do they have uh, in-depth information, it's presented in the way that the average person can readily understand it. So you don't need a PhD right now. All you need is your computer or your phone. You can go to these websites. You don't have to absorb everything in one day. You know, a little bit here, a little bit there. You start to make the connections for yourself. So they want you to feel like you're stupid. And how dare you question anything written by a doctor or a scientist? No, no, we do dare. I mean, it's our life at stake. And uh, we got sources now that we can go to that'll explain it to us in simple terms, not all those Latin terms and confusing language. You know, they don't normally explain anything in those medical journals. That's, I mean, a good writer, they say something, uh, if it's a new term or concept, they explain it. They don't do that. They just throw it out there. And, you know, somebody like me, I'm a researcher, I'm a trained researcher, so that doesn't bother me. And so my mission When I wrote my my two books, was to take a lot of that confusing information and make it simple for the average person to understand. And then they can once they understand it's child's play. I mean, a child could look at this and say, you know, putting mercury and monkey kidneys and formaldehyde is not a good thing for the human body. You don't have to be rocket science to understand that. You need somebody to explain it in simple terms and not the technical terms that they try to use to scare people. So um uh, also I should uh, reference my website where people can order my book. Uh, so my book, Vaccines Are Dangerous. My website is simple. It's uh, the title of the book, Vaccines R-A-R-E dangerous dot blog, B-L-O-G spot, dot, com. Vaccines, W-W-W, dot, vaccines dangerous dot blog, Bot.com. You find my book, you can order it. It's only $25. And I autograph and date all copies uh, of my book. Don't go to Amazon. They're censoring me. They got people selling collector copies at ridiculous prices. I've seen the size $400 in some cases, other cases $75. No, don't do that. That's not me. I don't get one penny from that. Uh, you can go right to my website www.vaccinesandangerous.blogspot.com. And to my substack, where I update with all kinds of information. In fact, I'm doing an interview um, this week with Dr. Pilepski, and he's going to be on my substack, uh, curtiscost.substack.com. And uh, the, the thing that I think everybody here on the panel and everybody who hears this, you now have an obligation to take this information and share it with your networks. Your networks on Facebook, Twitter, Whatever, um, whatever you have, your Substack, whatever you have, got to get it out there. We got to wake people up because they are going to do this again. They've already had uh, a meeting, um, the scenario uh, 2030, I believe it is. They're going to do it again. I mean, they figured, well, that's stupid. Hell, we should have a pandemic every year. We we can't let them feel that feel that comfortable anymore. They can't continue to think that we're just that stupid, like naive children. And they don't need all of us. I mean, yeah, there's always gonna be the 5% of us or so who are aware, but they're looking at the numbers. Well, 5% know the truth, and the 5% don't. We can make money out of this. No, yeah, other than 95%, we gotta wake them all up and start thinking for themselves.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, it is a pandemic of fear and blind faith. For sure. I, I remember uh, trying to at least tell people to do your research. And this one friend posted this on Facebook. She posted this thing. I, I trust what's in my aspirin. I trust what's on my grocery shelves. I trust what my doctor prescribes. So why would I question this in any way? And I was like, Oh my God. I know.
1: I know. I know <laughs> this I know. is,
3: this is the deepest problem we have. Is this blind faith? And
1: I can tell you this I mean, yeah, a number of the people very active in this movement, uh, they felt the same way at one point until their children became autistic or had other health problems. Uh, so people will wake up uh, either, the, either the easy way, which do some research before you take some drug, especially a drug coming from companies that are serial felons, that have been forced to pay billions of dollars for lying um, and causing harm, you, the easy way is to do your own research. Or you can learn the hard way, where your child dies, or your child is crippled for life and won't be going to college prime or anything else because you didn't do your homework. So you could learn uh, information the easy way, do some research, or you can learn the hard way you suffer the consequences. Now, what we're seeing is more and more people are starting to see not just a family member, but a friend, a neighbor who suddenly dies after getting the COVID vaccine uh, or can't get pregnant or, or having tremors all day long. That wakes people up because it's no longer theoretical. Now it's somebody they know. They know was perfectly healthy price of the vaccine. So I'll say again, uh, you can either learn your lessons about the dangers of these drugs the easy way by doing your research. Yourself up front, or you can learn the hard way when somebody, a friend, family member, loved one, whatever suffers horrible consequences, or yourself. So, yeah,
3: yeah. I know. And even, I mean, childhood vaccines, right? If you, if you even look at one thing, which is autism, when I was mm-hmm. a kid, one in 500,000, you didn't even hear of autism, right? And, and now, And the Japanese have shown a a direct correlation to each time they enter, they add a new vaccine or jab to the childhood um, vaccination schedule. Autism goes up. And now it's one in 35 boys. So it's, you know, even if, even if you go look for that information and can see that there's a a direct correlation there, it would make you question. And then you you need to look deeper, right? Well,
1: I would say also just people here who value what's being said, just order my book. I mean, the book is written, an eighth grader can read my book and understand 90% or more of it. And I explain all this. I have a whole chapter on autism. I think I explained very clearly, provide enough references that the vaccines cause it. I mean, we know what caused the most dramatic increase. That was the 1986 Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, which said that you can't sue the drug companies for any injuries uh, the vaccines cause. A few years after that, that's when autism really skyrocketed because they start putting more and more vaccines on the market, and they had mercury in it, and you can't sue them. So this was like a money tree for the uh, drug companies producing uh, um, va- uh, vaccines. And so, yeah, I mean, we also look at the groups that don't get vaccinated. The Amish, they don't vaccinate their kids. The kids don't have autism. There's been more pressure in recent years, so maybe some cases, but uh, at the time I wrote my book. They weren't vaccinating, and they, they didn't have autism. Look at holistic groups that uh, believe in natural childbirth and don't believe in vaccines. Their kids don't get autism. So it's very obvious the vaccines are the cause of mystic. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., um, he wrote several brilliant articles on autism, uh, which I used uh, to help me write uh, that chapter in my book. And he did an unbelievable job, very in-depth. He's a brilliant, brilliant researcher. And the evidence is is clear as day. Only ones who don't want to believe it is or don't want to acknowledge other drug companies because they open themselves up potential lawsuits and things. And the other people who just want to blindly believe in what the media tells them but the evidence is out there has been out there for a very long time the vaccines definitely cause autism and it's skyrocketing very soon half of all your grandkids are going to be autistic at the rate things are, are, are moving and so yeah. it's bad on a lot of levels
3: yeah and then i wanted to just um expand on this whole like they really feed on our fear of disease. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I was becoming, I was a naturopath and then I became a homeopath, I did my thesis on would we be able to vaccinate with something safe like homeopathy. And by the time I was done my few, you know, two or 3000 hours of research, I realized that the disease isn't what we should be fearing Mm -hmm. at all like even childhood diseases, whether there are viruses or not viruses or how we, you know, we get um, chicken pox or measles, Mm -hmm. um, they actually train the immune system and they help our immune system grow. So there, if you, if a child gets sick with measles and you treat it well with good food, hygiene, the proper botanicals, vitamins they will recover easily and they'll be immune for life, right? With no right. harm. Right. And so our our real, that's another pandemic, right? Is this fear of disease that really isn't. Well, you know, I, isn't I'll tell you
1: this. What, what I've noticed over, over the years is that those who've read my book, and did their own research and chose not to vaccinate their kids, they're not reporting their kids having any of their so-called childhood diseases. I I mean, Lots of people yeah. have come up to me and uh, told me you know, they come up and want to hug me and thank me because the kids don't get measles, they don't get anything. Uh, so I've that caused me I, I didn't anticipate that makes you that. question
3: it all, right? Right. I mean, and, uh, and they were already these diseases were on the decline before. Oh God, yeah, the I introduction. Know. And yeah. in fact, yeah, outbreaks are amongst the vaccinated. Like, there's so much information that makes you question.
1: You look at measles, for example, um, ne- measles had declined something like 98% from the early 1900s uh, before the vaccine came on the market, before the measles m- vaccine went on the market. And you see the same pattern with most of the other uh, vaccines, that the disease had declined dramatically before the vaccine came on the market. Had nothing to do with the vaccine. It had everything to do with improvements in sanitation, improvements and nutrition. So as they built uh, sewer systems, water processing plants, uh, and better sanitation, and got the horses off the streets and not defecating, the environment naturally became cleaner. So the incidence of diseases went down. And as they improve people's immune systems through more access to fresh fruits and vegetables, through the building of, of railroads and highways and stuff, more fresh fruits and vegetables could get to the cities, so people's immune system naturally became stronger. So those two simple variables, improvement sanitation, improvement nutrition, are responsible for declines of these diseases by as much as 90% or more. And so they know that. And you know, common sense would dictate, well, if you know you can get these kind of dramatic results with Better nutrition and better uh, hygiene. Well, let's do more of that. Only, unfortunately, there's no money in that. The money's in the, the vaccines and belief in, in a virus, and uh, that's the situation that we were in. People that know, they do their best to um, try to eat healthy foods and things. And those who don't, uh, I mean, they'll go and take the vaccine and don't question what's in it. Uh, and then, you know, I tell you. Among the things that's really heartbreaking is, it's always when anybody's child is harmed. But I, because of what I do, I've met lots of very affluent families. I mean, very wealthy families whose child, um, you know, they trusted the vaccine, the child become autistic. You can imagine the frustration of any parent, especially a parent, they have the opportunity to put their kids into top prep schools, Harvard, Yale, Vassar, Northwestern. They have that opportunity that was taken away from them and because they were naive. They believed in the vaccine. I see so many cases of that. It's so tra- it's tragic if a person poor, working class, whatever it happens to. But you think about a family that had all these hopes and dreams dashed. No preparing them for the high school prom. None of all those things that they looked forward to was taken away from them in an instant because they had blind faith in these uh, medical doctors. Um, now, uh, let, let me I, let me put a little qualification in there because I know i coming down hard on the doctors. If you get into a car accident and and you're seriously injured, they know how to fix you up. There are situations where they do save lives. There are good doctors who do the best that they can. But if you look at the system overall, you know it's a business and. They don't always do good things, and the, the vaccine programs—what are things that they? Uh, I don't think they can be uh, super proud of, uh, um, given what they're doing. So, doctor, are good doctors out there? There are doctors fighting right now against what's going on, speaking out, and there are doctors to save lives. So, I'll say there are good doctors, and there are those who, you know, they go along with. With the programs. So you got to keep that in mind. Stepping step into that situation means you have to be very careful. You, you've got to do your own research before you do. As far as COVID, don't go for taking those stupid ventilators. Those ventilators are death traps. Over 90% of people on a ventilator, they die. But because of the CARES Act, as I pointed out in my presentation, uh, these hospitals get a check of like $39,000 for every time they put somebody on a ventilator. So there's a big incentive to put all kinds of people on ventilators. We need to ask questions. Some of these hospitals should go in. They don't let you see uh, family members or friends, nothing. Which means that they can kill you and get away with it and make profits off of your death. I mean, so we got a question before you go to the hospital. You should find out what their policies are. If you go in and you decide that you want to get out, you need to know you can get out. Uh, And you need to know that you can decide what procedures you want done and which ones you don't. We're not living in a time anymore where we can blindly trust the medical establishment. The medical establishment overall is a business. It's a profit-oriented business. And unfortunately, people do die in that kind of situation where profits supersede the health and safety of their patients, even though they took an oath to do no harm
3: yeah yeah, and um, informed consent is one of the basic you know underlying platforms in in medicine, and no one has informed consent when it comes to this new experimental vaccine and they changed the, you know, the whole the whole rules on pandemics, yeah. that it could be based on testing rather than on actual cases. Yeah, I know. I know, 10 years before, right? So to just question everything. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and even, you know, even so, we were talking about viruses and that, you know, do they even exist? And I've listened to all that information. And I came home, 2 weeks ago got got sick. I had a flu. I don't know if it was viral, bacterial, what it was. I don't, you know. Mm-hmm. But I saw it as an immune system update, a chance to rest and cleanse mm-hmm. my body because many of these things and then then my daughter got it, my other daughter got it, my husband got it, right? So you're like okay we are we some things we do pass to each other or is it beyond what we actually know is it like a energetic information that happens between people that oscillate and so I'm sending the information that it's time to cleanse now right like we don't know there is so much that we don't know
1: well you're right and um Uh, We do know that women who uh, live together, their cycles synchronize. So we know this type of synchronization can take place. I will also say I've heard these stories. uh, We all have chicken pox parties and things like that years ago. I've never seen a study on that though. I've never seen a systematic study uh, showing how often somebody uh, has something and then other people get it. We've heard stories, but let's see an actual study. I'll tell you what one oldest practitioner Uh, told me, he said, look, everybody gets sick in in, in a a household with something, they're all eating from the same refrigerator. And uh, that makes a lot of sense. If you are in the same toxic food and things, uh, you're at risk. In fact, of the holistic practitioners that, that I've come to know and trust over the years, none of them talk about killing a virus or getting rid of a virus. They all talk about detoxing. So they'll put you through a, a detox program where you're, you're flushing out your system and talking about building yeah. up the immune system with the proper yeah. fruits, vegetables, herbal treatments. And none of them talk about killing a virus. Uh, none that I know of, there may be some out there. They all talk about clean. I will, on a personal note, um, say that many years ago, when I was younger especially, I used to have uh, uh, throat infections, tonsil infections all the time and get fever and sick almost every year. Uh, Until I met uh, Dr. Valentine, uh, Dr. Phil Valentine, a holistic practitioner, and he told me that, you know, about viruses and things that don't exist, and the thing what you need to do is uh, clean your system up. So, you know, colon cleansing and things, fasting, once I wanted to do that, um, uh, I almost never get sick. I I mean, I just, those uh, throat infections, they just went away. and. uh, I had uh, some things that happened in my life, and I know I gained some weight at a car accident and stuff like that, and I'm working on all those other things, but the bottom line is I really get sick. I, I do cleanse and things, and um, yeah, losing work is very, very important, but keeping your body cleansed and realizing you don't need to be afraid of viruses and germs, I mean, a lot of host politicians argue against that. What you do need to worry about is what you're eating. How often are you eating organic fruits and vegetables, non-GMO organic fruits and vegetables? That's where your focus should be. Um, how, how much water are you drinking each day? How much sunlight are you getting? Uh, and vitamin D from the sun. Those are the things that holistic practitioners told people to focus in on. And that's how you get better, not by uh, taking a whole bunch of antibiotics, taking a vaccine, and worrying about a virus. You want to get better? Clean your body out. Um, in fact. I learned from Dr. Valentine and some other really strict colitis practitioners. He said, "There's only uh, one disease in the world." As I said, "Really, what's that?" He said, uh, "Constipation." <laughs> the more I thought about it, the more sense that it makes. I mean, your colon is constantly congested; things get backed up, and you—what know, we see—we see manifestations of diseases. You know, skin rashes, coughing—things like those—are all desperate attempts on a part of the body to get rid of excess toxins. It's like a a toilet that overflows. Um, Yes, um, you can take a mop and clean up the floor after the toilet uh, overflows. But as soon as you flush it, it's going to overflow again if you don't get rid of the problem that's causing it to overflow. That is the approach of holistic practitioners, that you have to get rid of the toxins that's causing the body to look okay, you're not eating enough of the right stuff. You're not getting enough exercise. You're not cleaning. So I'm going to have to push this stuff out another way. So I'm going to make you sweat. And so you have a fever. So the body uses the skin, the largest organ, to remove uh, toxin. I'm going to make you cough to get the stuff out. I'm going to make you sneeze. i will make you have a runny nose. So the, these are all the body's desperate attempts to clean the system out. So all practitioners, they do fasting uh, at the change of the seasons. And I mean, when I was doing that, I just did not get sick. I mean, it was a time I was doing twenty-one day fast with Dr. Valentine and others. Unfortunately, he moved. I think it was one of the big problems. He moved to Florida, New York. He would have we would have the gatherings of the masses every month. It was you go into a house of a real holistic practitioner. It's an experience out of itself. You just feel so energized because they got pyramids all over the place, crystals and incense burning and it's like another world. And uh, then everything you eat, you know, it's healthy, you know, it's organic, non-GMO. It's been placed under a pyramid and prayed over. So you're eating healthy food, healthy environment. And he had me do a 21 day fast. And at the change of every season, the body's readjusted to the new seasons. That's the time to do a fast. And I was perfectly healthy. I was skinny uh, uh, back then. So yes, I don't, uh, I'm among those now who not fearful of, viruses and germs in the air uh those who want to believe in those things that's fine whatever makes you happy but holistic practitioners the ones that i know they focus in on detoxing the body and building up the immune system with the proper food natural food and uh, in fact you know that should be a course taught to kids how what is food you know our kids don't even know what food is you know i mean some holistic
3: practitioners yeah, that's another whole programming, right? Well, you're right. <laughs> that cereal with all the sugar and no oh. nutritional value is food, but <laughs> but you're right. Like this is what we've lost, and it's one of the basic foundations of of natural medicine is find the root cause.
0: Mm-hmm. You know
3: what is causing disease, and my passion is the connection between the mind and the body. Like mm-hmm. I totally everything that you're saying supports the body. Mm-hmm. Um, But to also be aware that if we're we're constantly, like if something happens to us when we're young and we get programmed to believe that if there's a certain sound, then we go into a state of stress. You know, maybe a bell went off every time Mm -hmm. that something happened. And, you know, and now you're 45 and you're doing all the food and everything, right? Yet you still have high blood pressure because you live close to a public school where a bell goes off and mm-hmm. you go into the state of stress so it's just so multifaceted health is is mm-hmm. you know much more than what we're led to believe and it certainly doesn't come from this paradigm of giving a shot and you're right, I you're completely fine, agree. right? yeah yeah so I'm with you thank, <laughs> thank you. you thank Curtis. you my
1: pleasure um I guess I would we- we're almost done here. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, so we'd just like
2: to thank you and basically thank my fellow podcasters, so Jane and Grace, and we'll all share it on our own platforms. And mm-hmm. we also include the links both of your bio, your Substack, your website, as well as my fellow podcasters. And for those that are listening, perhaps you can share it on Telegram or WhatsApp groups because even today, as we were trying to do this live It was actually removed immediately and we've had a load of problems. Even Grace's email to Curtis, even though we've been corresponding a lot, went into spam and we're seeing a load of stuff like that. So we're all being shadow banned and, you know, we're just experiencing a lot of this. So we actually, you know, we need your help to get this message out. So Curtis shared a loads of different things, plus the video that we discussed with the commercial. We'll have the link for that as well. So, you know, if you can go in, get his book. And you can actually, as he mentioned, get it on his uh, his own website as opposed to Amazon. Yeah. Right. And we'll have the links for all of that. So thank you yeah. very much, Carlos. Thank you. Have a nice day. And uh, we'll be in communication. Okay. Take care. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye.